This is the Dirt Bags Baseball Dirt Talk Podcast. Brendan Darty here. Epic podcast coming your way today. Tyler Hanover, one of the greatest dirt bag players of all time, coming on the show today. Retired dirt bag number. Andy Parton is also going to join the show today. Talk about you know Tyler's time uh, with the dirt bags. Tyler went on to play at LSU. Was a four-year starter there. Was on the part of the 2009 national championship team. I was drafted by the the Detroit Tigers in 2012. Uh, now we're gonna get you know get get Tyler on the show and and just kind of talk about his his path his career uh, his time with the dirt bags uh, get some some interesting uh, stories I'm excited to have you know both Tyler and Andy on the show uh, but especially Tyler uh, you know he, he was just he was just a, such a fun player to watch play the game I mean he epitomized. Uh, number one, what, what it is to be a dirtbag. Um, but secondly, he, he was a guy that, you know, undersized guy uh, that, that, that played with such passion and ferocity um, that, you know, you, you just you wanted him uh, to be a part of your program. I, I remember uh, coaching. I was coaching in, at, at Coastal, uh, and I'm like, this is the perfect – uh, coastal recruiting him, Coastal Carolina type guy, just dirty, uh, did so much, just high baseball IQ type guy, uh, and and I was when he committed to LSU, I was, um, you know, I was really disappointed. I, I didn't I didn't know if we had a chance at him, but I I thought hopefully, uh, you know, this guy may slide through the cracks, and um, you know ultimately he didn't, uh, and and you know has had to work for for everything. That he's had in his career, uh, and he's deserved all the accolades and all the uh, things that that he's that he's received over that time. But excited to have Tyler on the show. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome to talk to him uh, and get get Andy's perspective of of what type of player Tyler was, and um, really really have a good time with with these two guys. Impact Baseball. Since 2001, Impact Baseball has been hosting showcase tournaments and ID camps, as well as promoting high school and middle school players all over the country. Impact Baseball has just introduced their ID camps and will be getting back cranking with those at the end of May moving into June. You can find all the information at impactbaseball.com. You can follow them on Twitter at Impact Baseball and on Instagram, Impact Baseball underscore. All right. This is uh, an epic, epic podcast coming at you today. Uh, the the I, I gotta say it's it, the the if there was a any type of vote out there I know who I would vote for but the greatest all time dirt bag Tyler Hanover. Well, this was about Tyler, not me. And 
the the founder owner of the dirtbags, the self-proclaimed greatest dirtbag of all time, Andy Parton. We got Andy and Tyler on the show. Uh, fired up to have you guys, Tyler. Thanks for coming on, Andy. You've obviously been on uh, previous shows a time or two. But thanks, thanks both. So, Tyler, just to, just a, a little quick quick recap. Go go through um, kind of years that that you were with the Dirtbags. First of all, uh, and then we'll re- we'll really get into the nuts and bolts of uh, some good storytelling. Hopefully, today. But but b- break down your your year your years kind of when you were with the Dirtbags. showcase in Randleman and did a little trout there and then the first real that, trout with the dirt bags that was you, in is that when you showed up is that when you showed up with the afro that was in Elon and I remember it was that was a Saturday right and that was with your big team and I was on the younger team and took first BP I took I think my helmet flew off my hat flew off my hair is going everywhere you pulled me to the side I was like hey man if you want to be on this team you gotta cut that hair literally <laughs> 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 the first thing uh, out of your mouth and I was like wait this, so does that mean I made it and you're like I don't know yet but like you gotta cut the hair regardless I think, I think that was the first time that I, I I had really seen you. I mean, I think I watched you at the at the showcase at Duke. Yeah, yeah. I never talked to you. I never been like close to you. And then when I saw you, it was Elon. You're right, and you were taking BP. I was like, yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that hair now. Yeah, you know, it's all coming back to me. There's always and something you you never you never forget you never forget like there's always something that sticks out that you know the good players obviously and and it's like there's always something else that. You're like, if you threw them in a pile of 300 guys, you'd be like, yeah, I remember that guy. Yep, no doubt. There's always something that, that sticks was, out about a good player. That was a lot, it was a lot of hair. It yeah. Hair. It was a hey, lot of no, hair. He, did. he cut it the next day. He showed up next day. Shaved it. Shaved. I remember I walking like, well, into the house. This guy's going to make it. Now. Yeah. That's good. I remember walking into the house after that. I was like, Mom, we got to cut my hair. She was like, what do you mean? I was like, we're shaving it. She was like, wow. like it's got to go. Andy said it's got to go. It's got to go. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Like, I got Here's my shot. I got he, he said it. Andy said it. So let's do it. <laughs> That's 100% how it went down. And then I think ever since then, all the way through, I mean, almost college. I mean, I started letting it grow a little bit out. Uh, it's never been that long. But uh, almost always had a bus cut since then. I, I was hanging around with some neighborhood people on Friday night, and they were all just just talking about, you know, they hadn't had a haircut. You know, cause nobody can go get a haircut right now. I'm like, but I haven't paid for a haircut since, like, 1996. That- I just haven't shaved it ever since. What are you guys doing right now? I, I, here, here's my, I went, I, I, I could, I, I couldn't go, I couldn't go a lot, my hair is thick, obviously, and, uh, so, 
I got some clippers. Got, got best hair on staff every day. We cut Knox's we cut hair because he can't stand the barber. So we bought some clippers. So I said, I'll, I'm doing this. I'll just do it. I'll go like two guard on the sides, which I normally do. And then I'll just take the highest guard and just run through the rest of it. And then I spike it anyway. So I said, so I started doing it and I got like right in the thick of things. I'm like, I can't turn back now. And I actually was like, this isn't that bad. I'm, I'm going to do it again tonight just because I'm like, I'm not paying for haircuts anymore. I'm married. I got two kids. I don't have to really, you know, impress a whole lot of people besides my wife. But What's your, what kind of haircut you rocking right now, Tyler? Uh, I'm just letting it grow right now, honestly. Uh, it's not its not anything bad. It's probably, I normally have it on like a, a low fade with a little bit on top for some style purpose to try to uh, draw attention away from my face and onto my hair because I got a good, good set of hair, you know? <laughs> but right now, it's just kind of growing. It's, it's, it's bad. Uh, I think we might get out the old, uh, get out the old shaver and just go ahead and bake it clean. What's, what's the weather like down there in Bradenton right now? Uh, it's, you know, 85, 90, sunny. Beautiful. Yeah, sucks. Sucks. Yeah, was, yeah we got what about thing. North Carolina? Uh, it's about 70 right now. Actually, it's a nice day. Yesterday, yeah. It was cool. It was in the low 60s, but yeah, today, today's nice. So. It's that, that time of year. All right, let's get that. We're, we're out of the – we got fashion. We got fashion tips. This is a fir- this is a first on the show. We just had a, a fashion tip and a – fashion we're in the wrong place Fa- fashion we had a, fa- a hair hair and fashion and then a weather report all in the same podcast that is a first for the for the dirt bags dirt talk podcast but tyler so it's and and i i remember back back watching you play and and um you know with the dirt bags but tell me with with Obviously, the the history and and um, you know the guy, some of the guys that have come through uh, the Dirtbags program. What what you, you were the first? You were named the first captain um, ever in the Dirtbags program, and you have you, you're the only guy that have that has his number retired. Uh, which 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 says a lot. Number one, because you know, the, with with the roster of guys that have come through this program, I mean, it it, it just what you meant, obviously, to the dirtbags. What does that mean to you to be kind of recognized as that? Uh, honestly, you can't really put that into words. Not only what Andy and the dirtbags have done for me and my family. But just like you said, the guys who came through there, I wasn't—I never claimed to be the best player to come through the dirtbags. There's so many guys that had such better talent than I had. But what it meant to me was, you know, I went out there. I was probably still one of the smallest guys Andy's ever had on the dirtbags. Uh, but I worked my—you know—I worked my ass off. I knew what it meant. I went out there and gave 110% every single day. I wanted to make the guys around me better, but in return, I was always trying to compete against them and try to get to their level. So it was always that inner competition of trying to make each other better, but at the same time, that friendly 
rivalry and competition that just bred excellence. And that's why you see the guys on our teams, basically every one of them went D1, D2, or professional. Um, it's simple. Yeah, that that a, a, anything to add, Andy? I mean, I I just think I remember I remember coming and watching you play, and the the image that like is in my brain of of watching you play was at East Carolina. You guys were playing. I was coaching. I think I was at Coastal. I I'm not. I don't think you had committed to. When did you commit to LSU? What year? Do you remember? Yeah, it was the summer before my junior year. Alright, so Matt, you, you may have already been committed to, to LSU, but I, but what what just is in my brain is that I walk we I walked up to to the watch to to the, probably the you may have played a double header and you just had you were you had filth, you had dirt from like the top of your it was like a white jersey all the way to the tip of your spikes. And I'm like, like the dude, I, I can't remember if you wore batting gloves or you didn't, but you didn't have, like, I'm like, this guy just epitomizes, this guy, yeah, this guy epitomizes what the dirtbags are. Like, he's, if you looked in the book, if you look in a, the, the, the dictionary in dirtbags, it'd be a picture of, of you in my, my eyes. I still remember it like very like right now I can see that see in that first base dugout at East Carolina you just covered in dirt. It was pretty Yeah, and you know, a lot of that had to do with kind of the way I was brought up. Um, you know, I always knew I wasn't gonna be a bigger guy. So at a young age my dad would always tell me, you know, if you wanna get seen, you're gonna have to outwork everybody and you're gonna have to show something of a tool that no one else really has and no one you know no one can compare you to your hustle so he goes every single day you go out there you're gonna have to you know bust it you gotta show your stuff be the first one on the field be the first one off the field you know die for every ball that you can make every play that you can you know leave it out all out in the field and at the end of the day you're not good enough then hey you left it out there you at least you know yeah no question right that's yeah I, 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 yeah to, to add on to that like you said earlier, was just you know I I've seen a guy you know at that point um, really I guess even to this to this day for us you know play with the uh, yeah, obviously intensity and things like that that Tyler brought to the table but I mean the guy just had so much fun on the field but then there was almost like a different side I don't want to kind of go all over the place here but there was a, something I think we haven't touched on yet is is there was a little bit of different side to Tyler if you, if you've ever met his dad. He's a little scary. He's got a little scary side to him. You know, he's intense when you talk to him. You know, Tyler was never the most vocal guy, for sure. I mean, you had good relationships, and, you know, it's not like, you know, like guys like Levi Michael. And, you know, so, you know, talkative, but not uh, not, a, not a great vocal leader. But there were, I've never seen a guy command so much respect from his teammates the way he did. And kind of that was the idea of like, man, we got to do something for this guy because it was, you know, you didn't notice it at first, and he just, he kind of just, uh, you know, everyone felt so confident with Tyler on the field. I remember when we were in Atlanta, and I don't know if you remember this, I'm sure you do. You, you were sick as a dog. It was like the first day, 
Yeah, you were just super sick, uh, like nasty, coughing, like couldn't breathe. And I said, look, man, if you can play and just stand at second base and strike, <laughs> and strike out every time, just just our team is going to be so much better with you just on the field. Because if, if we didn't play him, you know, everybody like, you know, what the hell's going on, man? Are we going to be okay? And obviously he went out there and, you know, had a great performance and a couple of us win the game. But I've just never seen a guy just command that respect. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, you know, in your face, but it was almost like he was in your face verbally. It was more like in your face, like, I'm just going to out-hustle you. Yeah. I'm gonna, but I, I, don't want you, I don't want people to lose the fact that how talented Tyler was, is, but I mean, especially back then, I mean, he was – it was uh, it was a little spooky. I mean, he was he would do things that you know most of the guys wouldn't do. Yeah. And I, I remember like the, you know we would talk to you know the guys back in the day, Bob Barth, Tri-State Arsenal, some of those guys. You know, we'd just be cutting up, and he'd be like, "Man, they'd all say, man, oh, I love your second baseman, man. That guy's you know." And, and then end up learning his name. I couldn't tell you the names of other teams we played, but Tyler. I mean, like everyone, oh, Tyler Hanover. I remember we were playing a game. And I uh, was an ACC head coach, uh, and I was talking to him before the game. I was like, hey, man, we, we were getting ready to face uh, one of his commitments, and we're just kind of, ha-ha, you know, what, what do you got on your guy whatever? And he's like, you're going to win. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, you got the Hanover kid. I mean, so when, you get, when you get ACC head coaches, you know, saying that. Uh, That's you, a big you know, compliment. Yeah, well, I'll tell you who it is off the air. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no uh, doubt. It's pretty pretty special. Um, I've just never seen a guy get that much out of himself. I I really wish, you know, more guys today could have just observed him. Yeah. What he did day to day. Um, All the kids today would be be much better off, you know, if, if, if they had more of that yeah i i i agree i i, I mean uh, i i'm familiar with them too and i think you you know and and obviously tyler's on, on here with us but just my opinion of of watching it was you know that the guy just he you did you did things the right way and i don't think you ever you didn't play like you ever felt like you were you weren't better than you know maybe some guy that could go to a showcase and just because you had tools you know what I mean you weren't six three with tools you're five seven with tools you know and so I don't think you you can't say that you got overlooked because you went to you know probably arguably the best you know college baseball program historically. Um, you know LSU, and and so people recognize that. But so I think that's what separates you. You know, you you, you didn't have to play with a chip on your shoulder, but you played with a chip on your shoulder, right? I mean, that's just the way you were brought up and the way you wanted to play. I would definitely say I always played with a chip on my shoulder. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just something to kind of you know fuel myself, fuel my fire to make myself go out there and be the best that I could be, uh, as well as my teammates. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, playing college baseball, 
and even with the dirt bags, the idea was always to be, you know, get to the next level and, you know, help your team win at any means cost. And you know, that's what I took to my game. And that's kind of how I went out, you know, every day and prepared just to make myself better as well as my teammates and try to win. But yeah, I, you touched on it with your, with your pops earlier. I mean, I think I think old Eric had a lot to do with it, man. He was, uh, oh, yeah, he, he, oh, yeah. he you know, he, he's kind of what what you want parents to be like, man. I mean, he was, you know, hard on you but pushed you. Yeah, but but, but super supportive. Um, you know, obviously I didn't live with you, so I don't. I, I, I <laughs> that, but as far as far as us, he might have been he might have been really hard. On you, I don't know, but with with us, I mean, he was. You know, very supportive, but you could you could see, man. I mean, he he was on you. You know, he he, he oh yeah, he wanted you to succeed. He wanted you to do well, and um, but yeah. he certainly didn't overstep. You know, any boundaries. But uh, what what a, what a great what a great guy, man. Very super supportive, super supportive. I can, you know, honestly, I can't thank them enough for how much they did for me in my career. Um, like you said, I mean, he's super supportive, but, you know, he always wanted the best for me, and he always thought that there was a little bit extra in the tank, and always trying to, you know, make myself that much better, uh, and, you know, to this day, I still thank him for everything that they did. I saw him throw BP to you one time, and I just kind of walked up, and he was giving me some extra swings or something as I was walking up to the field, and this guy was throwing 100 miles an hour from, like, 20 feet. Nice. <laughs> he, he would throw some BBs in there for sure. I, I like it. Yeah. That's awesome. It, 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 it was great, man. I mean, Tyler was it was so fun to watch. I remember uh, we were in uh, Fort Myers. Uh, this was your sophomore year, or the the fall of your junior year. We were in Fort Myers, and Austin was the head coach of that team, and I was down there helping. And we were just it was like you know day two. You know, you're on your third game in 24 hours, and we're just beating the breath out of somebody, you know, it's 10, 12, nothing. It's like the fourth or fifth inning. And he's like, man, it's like, we got to try to get some of these guys off the field, you know, try to, try to get them, get them a break. And I look over, you know, he's like, man, we got to get Tyler out of there. And I look around, you know, somebody just struck out. You can see Tyler fireball around the infield, man. He's bouncing around. He's two outs, two outs. I said, I said, Austin, man, does that guy look tired to you? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it was it was just it was always that man. It was just uh just like a ball of energy, man. I mean, just and, and, and just contagious. I mean, you know, I don't know how many times did, did Levi ever beat you off the field. It seemed like y'all just raced off the field every single time. We raced off the field. He was a little bit faster than me, but I always try to get a head start somehow. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 was it like playing with with you know obviously playing with with guys like yourself but just the 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 ability to to be pushed and play with um you know guys of of that caliber i mean i know those teams were were really good i mean you guys your 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 resume um you know you, you guys finished runner up you, you went to the final four in jupiter back-to-back years you 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 know 17u national this uh, in Atlanta, runner-up, and and the 16U, you went to the Final Four. I mean, you, you guys were were playing for you know championships, and you did it at the college level too. But you know, with, with that group that you played with with the Dirtbags, I mean, what what did that? Did you feel like that helped you as moving forward into your college career, being able to play with guys like that as well too? Obviously. Oh, absolutely, and. Uh... 
year was. It was the first year I went to Fort Myers, and then Andy let me come up to Jupiter. And uh, what year was that? 2005 or six? Oh, 2005. That was when that Ackley and Seager. Yeah, Ackley and Seager. I remember I got put in the game, uh, defensive substitution slash base runner. And uh, nice. Grab ball to Seager, runner on first. He throws me a bad feed, and I kind of gave it a I gave it a good effort. I, I would, and I stuck my hand out there, but I didn't dive for it. And the ball gets in the right field, and I've never had a teammate kind of get on me, except for that one time when Seager gave you know kind of gave me an earful. He's like, "You gotta dive for that ball." He's like, "He's like, I know it was a bad feed, but you gotta go out and extend. You know, you gotta save that ball because now that runner's there and there." And he explained it to me. And I was like, but, but, he's like, no, you got to make a better effort. And I went over to Andy, he's like, what did he say? And he was like, dude, you got to make a better effort, you got to dive. He's like, you could have cost us the game right there. So at that point in time, like, somebody who I looked up to and still to this day as a great baseball player was able to be like, hey, I made a mistake, but at the same time, you got to make sure, like, that ball doesn't go into right field. You got to, you know, leave your body out on the field. So, like, playing with guys like that, just made you so much better because you know you couldn't take a pitch off you couldn't take anything off you know at bat mentally physically you had to be sharp because it's you go to college you're trying to get college you're trying to get drafted you know you're trying to get looked at but at the same time like we were such a basically like a college team we wanted to win we didn't go to these showcases just to get looked at yeah that was but we also wanted to win because it was so much fun we've had you know our whole summers be put into this and we really wanted to you know come out there with a ring yeah 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 get get that you know was Seeger there that was a great point and, and you've told me that story before obviously and um but I think it's so important for kids to know too that it means so much more coming from the player than it does mm -hmm. from the coach you know if, if, I, said, if I said what what he said to you well you know okay thanks thanks Andy you know all right but, yes, but the fact that you know the player wanted to jack you up and you know he he's he's pissed at you that man that just goes a long way so I hope players can, can, can get that message yeah it was and you know it was nothing personal it was just you know hey you gotta do a little bit better to save me you know we're a team you know I thought the effort you got to put a little extra effort into it and okay. you know I remember I mean just going back on guys that we played with and just how fun of an atmosphere it was in Atlanta when we had Quincy CJ and LJ in the outfield oh my god that was the best time in the funniest games that I've ever played in well, I had to, uh, I don't know if you're going to hit on that at all, but I had to warn, Brendan, I had to warn the other coaches at the at the plate meeting. I said, look, man, my, my outfield is going to talk the whole game. So I apologized in advance. And those guys were ruthless out there. <laughs> ruthless. CJ would bait players in at least once a game, and it always worked, into trying to extend either a single into a double or somebody going home, and he would just unleash his all cannon. Death strike on, on the bat every time. It was just like, this is like clockwork for this guy. Yeah, those, 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 those guys were really good, man. Well, I, th I think that's the the uh, that's the most fun part about it is, is to – you know, listen to the, that kind of stuff, and you, you 
you want to hear more of it, and you want you want guys to to play and and f- be free, and and not take it personally. You know, like hey, Seager wasn't he was getting on you, but because obviously, yeah, he wanted to win, and and he was it, it, when you move, when you move on to the next level, when you move on to the college level. Andy, you guys are, you know, you're 100% right. It's, it, there's more, you get more out of it coming from the other player than it does the coach all the time. You know, the kid, because they'll, they'll tune you out. And you didn't tune Seager out, you know. I'm sure that stayed with you probably the rest of your career. You know, that one time that, that you didn't, oh, yeah, he's right. Yep. And when you look back, you're like, yeah, you know what, man? He's 100% right. I, I, if I had done that, things might have been different. He's 100% right, and he also signed for a $100 million. Yep. Yep. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that that helps That helps too when you got that, that guy saying it to you as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because we're, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing, you know. And, and, that, and that just goes, it's not, not always that carry over to college, baseball, or pro ball. It carries over to, like, actual work and life because, you know, because when you're working with people, you're a team, and we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. So you know, hey, if you screw up, I gotta pick you up. You know, if I screw up, you gotta pick me up. And that's 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 what the message that he was trying to deliver. So that's that's also that's a good story. Yeah, great story. What what do you what was your the uh, you know the the recruiting process? Obviously, what, go, break that down a little bit, just so that that you know everybody can understand. I mean, I know Andy had, had some familiarity with it. Were, were first, you? first, first, before you even start, I just want to say that I was so excited when Tyler committed because I was tired of being his agent. Right. One damn phone calls, you know, from college coaches about this guy because, I mean, you just kind of fall in love with him. And, yeah. Uh, but it was, uh, it was fun. I mean, you know, just talking to everybody. And, and I, I really learned a lot because that was early on in my uh, career doing this. Uh, learning from you know how these guys recruited and the different strategies that they used and how they would you know play off each other and things like that. I, I thought Tyler did a did a great job with the recruit process. Um, but now what? Go ahead, Tyler. I'm sorry. Oh uh, no, I mean obviously you know you had a big part into that and kind of where I ended up when going to LSU. I had been getting looked at by a couple different colleges. Uh, had a couple offers and. Andy one day sat me down and was like, hey, man, where do you want to go? He's like, just give me your top three. And I was like, LSU, Miami, and Texas. And he's like, well, just between me and you, probably not going to go to Miami. Texas already has a guy, and they only really recruit Texas. He's like, but LSU, he's like, let me make a couple calls. He's like, and I'll get back to you. I was like, All right, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is, this is, how, this is how I got in. So you got a letter. Yes, but this is back when colleges sent letters. The kids don't know that. And, it, <laughs> and they said recruiting questionnaires. Oh, yeah. And I remember you gave me the questionnaire, and then, you know, and Cliff Godwin, who was the head coach of East Carolina, was the recruiting coordinator at LSU at the time. And I already knew Cliff from back when he was at UNC Wilmington and things like that. So I had a relationship with him already. And I remember Tyler gave me the questionnaire because, you know, I had like a. <clears throat> For free players that don't know, the recruiting questionnaire had like a coach's, you know, thing. Portion, right, right. Yeah, get, get your coach to fill out some information. And I wrote a note to Cliff Godwin, and I said, hey, 
this guy, you know, can really play. I said, this guy's going to look, I, I promise you, I said, this guy will break college baseball records at LSU if you get it. And what'd you do? Hey, boom. You still got a record, right? You got records at LSU right now. Yeah, I still got a couple. <laughs> so there you go. So I've been right a couple of times, but yeah, that was uh, kind of how. Yeah, and the funny thing about that that situation is uh, I ended up driving down to Louisiana with my parents while I was driving that road uh, to Louisiana and met Coach Maneri and watched a couple games there and no offer, no nothing. Just went down there on official visit. They hadn't seen me play yet. I looked at my mom. I was like, hey, if they offer me, I'm coming here. She's like, really? She's like, you realize I was like 14 hours away? I was like, yeah, but I slept, so I'll be all right. Right. But, uh... <laughs> it wasn't that long. Nah, it wasn't that long. But uh, I absolutely fell in love with Baton Rouge, uh, the coaching staff. And I remember the first game, it was opening weekend, and it was like 40s, almost leading rain. There was like 8,000 people there. I was like, this is unbelievable. Everybody was into the game. The food was phenomenal. Uh, just everything. And they were getting a, you know, a new stadium as well. But honestly... The relationships I had with Cliff was a, a big majority of why I wanted to go to LSU, as well as you know the culture and the food and everything and how good they were. Yeah, so Cliff Cliff flew up. This was maybe they had a, a this was a, they were playing South Carolina, playing South Carolina. He came up a day early, and uh, I actually met him before the game. And I don't know if that's illegal or not. But I don't think it is. But um, we, so we, we met not back before. then. Not back then. It wasn't. Might be now, but not back then. We were friends. We were friends. I made yeah. my own dinner. Right. Um, so we rode over to the game, and uh, Tyler, when they were playing West Forsyth, yeah, Greg Holt. Greg Holt almost died at third base. Tyler hit a line drive, went you know an inch from his head, just went right past him. He hit like a home run that game. We just had a heck of a game. I also lost the game too. Don't remember that. Well, I don't remember that. I, just, I remember. I remember you did well. <laughs> uh, but I, I just remember. I remember a couple other college coaches were there. It must have been somebody else uh, that was there, and, and they, people were like, "Cliff, man, what are you doing here?" And he, you know, he's like, "Yeah, I'm here to see that guy right there." You know, and they're like, "Oh, okay." And then, uh, boom! It, it happened pretty quick after that. You know, what? What? Yeah, longer. I think. No, I think it was like that. They played South Carolina. I think I ended up going down watching that series, and then that midweek I ended up committing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Good choice. It really came down to LSU and South Carolina, right? That's what correct. Yeah, yeah. I remember Jim Toman had his heart broken. I'm sure. I really liked South Carolina. It was just something about LSU, and when I went down there, I just absolutely fell in love with. The city, the culture, the food, the fans. It honestly had a lot to do with the fans there, of just how into the game they were. I've never seen, you know, out of college baseball, you know, 8,000, 9,000 fans screaming and yelling into a game. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 what, what, was the, was the new stadium built yet when you were there, or did you play in the old? Uh, I was the first year in the new box. We did okay. our ball practice in the old box, okay. and then our first uh, game was in the new box. So, so my my uh, we we when I was the volunteer at Auburn, we played on the road. We played at LSU 
on a weekend and it's from when we got there Thursday night to practice there were people outside you know in RVs waiting for a Friday for a Friday night's game and when we got there for BP on Friday Saturday and Sunday uh there were people already in the, you know, waiting for the bus to pull up, waiting in the stadium as soon as they let open the stadium up. Um, the dugouts, they're, they're like down in this like hole because it was the old stadium, so it wasn't as as glorious as it is now. And they just had these big like box fans attached up on the up on the wall and it was just blowing you know it was, it was middle of may when we played there so it was a thousand degrees and the field was i think they maybe watered it the one time the whole time we, we played so it was so it was the fastest place i'd ever seen it was the hardest the field and those people, they were the smartest baseball fans. They were they were they were relentless on us on the visiting team, but they were they they weren't like they weren't just like jerks about it though. You know what I mean? Like they were they were intelligent. Like I remember our starting pitcher on Saturday was named Arnold Huey. And this kid, I mean ten year old kid walks up, he's getting ready in the bullpen and the kid goes, "Hey Huey, I, I didn't know, I didn't know a pitcher could lead the SEC in home runs. That's pretty impressive." <laughs> and me, I was, I was working, I was getting the catchers ready, and he just, our catcher, he looked, he was a senior, so he'd been through it. He just looked and he went, "God, that was a good one right there, man." <laughs> He's and the kid, like, and I, it took me a second. I'm like. Oh yeah, he's giving up the most home runs in the SC. He's giving up the most home runs. I mean, just smart. It had to be fun. After a good outing, they're gonna give you a standing ovation, whether you know if right. it's on the visiting team. You know, my senior year when we lost to Stony Brook, uh, you know, our fans encouraged them to take a lap around yeah. the field, and it's just you know. Of course, you know, playing in the box is amazing. Our fans were the best. But like you said, there were intelligent baseball fans that knew the game. They wanted us to win. But, you know, if you guys gave a good performance, they're going to let you know about it too. Yeah, no no question. It had to be fun. It had to be, you know, fun to – to, to be able to experience experience that and and obviously you know did, did do you still have the you know did you did, it, did you have a chance to play against some guys that you played with that when you were with the dirtbags maybe in in a regional super regional or an Omaha or you know and, and have a chance to kind of reconnect with those the guys that you played with with the yeah, dirtbags. Yeah. We had a couple of SEC guys, a lot of guys that went to South Carolina that I played against, you know, Michael Ross uh, being one. And then my freshman year when we went to Omaha, it was good to reconnect with, the, you know, a lot of the UNC guys that were there. I think Levi was there at the time. You know, Ackley, Seager were all still there. So uh, just living the old glory days of dirtbacks baseball and college baseball um, was definitely, you know, always fun. And uh, go out there and compete against those guys. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, not 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 too many guys. Uh, this this is a pretty good highlight for for Tyler uh, to bring up was a, as a freshman in Omaha. So you're 18 years old. You're right out of high school in Omaha, and dude hits a home run in the College World Series. So that, that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing, right there. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta set yourself up for the next three years after that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, Omaha was a lot of fun, especially when you win. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get back there, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was really hard. Uh, we ended up facing UCLA my sophomore year. They were good. That's when they had Cole and Bauer. Um, junior year, we didn't do so hot. Um, we didn't even make SEC. And then our senior year, we were we were national seed. I don't remember which. Uh, we were pretty high up there. And then we lost to Stony Brooks and uh, the Super Regionals at home. Yeah. Which that. That, that first Friday game was probably one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of that ended up going because of the rain delay into Saturday. We ended up having to come back on Saturday, playing an inning, and then play that game too. Did you face Bauer? How, how was he? Uh, I got a couple – I know at least got one hit off of him, but he was filthy, man. It was hard to pick up. His curveball was unbelievable good, that funky arm action. But uh, I managed to scrap in, I think it was a – it was a hit and run that I ended up getting fisted into the right field for I know at least a single. Nice. Um, no, at least I got one. one ah, you don't. You don't need to tell. You need to say it was a bullet. That's not now, man. No, yeah, was that? I hit. Yeah, I hit. Trying to scratch him across any way we could against that guy. Right, but you gotta next time you get asked that, you just be like, yeah, man, I faced Bauer. I had a rocket to right off of him. RBI got an RBI. Yeah. It, it might have been a rocket. I don't know. I just know it was off the hands because it was a hit and run. <laughs> Where it went after that, I don't know. It went to the outfield. That's all that matters, right? That That's all that. Uh, no question. It's a hit in the scorebook. Uh, no no question. <laughs> Always. Unfortunately, we lost that game, though. But Tyler, Tyler had a uh, has something I think a lot of guys are are going to have to deal with when they get to college, and that's a position change. You know, yeah. played played middle infield, I guess, your whole life, certainly yep. with us, and making that switch to play third base. And I remember I remember Tyler told me they were, you know, moved him to third, and I said, that's a, that's a lot of damn pressure on the catcher on a strikeout, man, to try to throw it down. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many, how many times I've been overthrown at third. Uh, that that was not that was not what I expected coming right there. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, yeah. I remember when he got drafted by the Yankees. We'll get back to that. Now. I, I, what was it? I don't know. You got drafted by the Yankees, and, I, and, and as soon as I happened, I texted you. I was like, man, who, who, who are you going to move, man? Jeter, Cano, or A Rod? Like, like who's moving? Yeah. No. <laughs> went back. Went back to school. Smart. Yeah, good, went good, back to school. Good decision. No, but as far as the position switch, I mean, that, that happened pretty early, didn't it? Um, yeah, well, yes and no, I, I guess, to answer your question. So the whole fall of my freshman year, I had worked out a uh, second at LSU. Um, it was when we came back from uh, winter break, um, when we started back up with fall practice, Coach Manera came over to me and was like, hey, I want you to go start taking ground balls at third. I was like, all right, cool. About a weekend before the season, he was like, hey, just to so you know, like, you're going to start Sunday. 
He's like, I think you've earned the right to start Sunday for us. So I didn't have a whole lot of time um, at third base before then. But, I mean, it's the infield. I literally took probably 200 ground balls a day, every day, to get comfortable over there. I remember at one point it was well over 100. That somebody was counting, actually, um, ground balls that I would take before practice just i would take them at third and second uh just just in case but all you guys that are listening to this that that take like 10 ground balls a day and think you got your work in you know they're they're got it play play at the level that you want to play at and was taking 100 ground balls before practice started but that's the practice yeah that's a great point not not to interrupt tyler but but that that that's just a great point too andy is that like there's there's always the way you know and i think tyler just the way you thought like you know what man i i I need more because there's somebody else at you know Ole miss or someone else at at south carolina or texas or miami or ucla that's taking a hundred ground balls so that you know i'm never good enough like i want more and more and more and you made a position change and you're like you know what i feel good but I still want more because I want to. I don't want to just feel good over. I don't want to feel comfortable over here. I want to feel like I've been here long enough, right? And I, I will say this: one of the hardest parts about when I switched over and one of the I always had a good arm, but the arm angle I threw from third was a little bit. I had to switch it up a little bit from when I played second. Um, so the transition from second to third was more of my arm angle it was never had anything to do with my arm strength i could always pride myself and i had a really good arm but it was a lot of like when a routine ground ball was hit to me what angle should i throw it at and you talk to some of my first basemen they would say i had the nastiest sinker that there ever was from third base and that was <laughs> i don't know why that is it's probably because i dropped my arm angle but yeah Yeah, but, I mean, that's just one of the things that, you know, took a little bit longer um, than, you know, I mean, obviously taking ground and getting comfortable with it, but, you know, taking it a step further and making sure your arm angles, because, you know, the slow roll of the backhand, you know, coming across, cutting off the shortstop and stuff like that, um, you got to be comfortable with throwing from all different types of arm angles as well. Yeah, no doubt. But that, but that, what guys don't do when they're playing catch. So I try, even even like younger guys, I mean, if you're talking 10, 11 year olds, and they need to play, you know, play catch with different arm angles. And I think, you know, everybody just tries to throw from one spot. But I mean, even in the infield, like you just said, you catch a ground ball to your left, right, wherever, you're going to be thrown from a different arm slot. So you might as well, you know, practice that when you're playing catch with your partner. Yeah, practice. Honestly, in in another one, too, that's not talked about a whole lot. It's practicing the long hop for the first baseman as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's- I, I just think you should, you should you should regardless if you're playing catch or not, but just to 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 stay you know athletic, throw from different arm angles at all the time. You know, regardless of where you're throwing from or or you know if you just go out there and play, have play catch, mess around. Figure out different where it feels comfortable throwing. I, I think that's sometimes that we get caught up in the lesson and the the mechanics of you know you didn't grow up getting lessened you know your way through playing that you just people said hey man 
you're, you're go over and take some ground balls at third and figure it out. You know, like, and that's what you had to do. And that's what you did, obviously. It says a lot about you to, to go and, and say, you know what? I've played the middle infield my entire life. I came to LSU as a middle middle infielder, whether it's shortstop or second base. But if I'm going to get in the lineup, and you're telling me third base is where I can get in the lineup, I'm going to go over there and, and figure this out, right? And Or you you could have said, no, nah, I'm going to transfer, coach. I'm going to let – who was playing – who was your middle infield that forced you to go to third base? DJ LeMayhew was LeMayhew then? DJ LeMayhew. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Both, both, both big league guys. Yeah, two big leaguers. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, these kids, like, no, I, I just play short. Well, Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter played short for 22 years for the Yankees. You know, he he, he didn't – nobody – the Yankees drafted shortstops over that course of time, but they had to figure out somewhere else to play. You know? I'll give you another example of that. DJ was our starting shortstop on the, the 0-9 team, and three-quarters – about halfway through the year, DJ ended up actually – getting moved to second yep. because another freshman, Austin Nola, ended up playing shortstop. So, I mean, obviously everyone knows who DJ LeMayu is, but, I mean, just look at that transition. He was an All-American, second, first or second round pick, and big league guy, all-star, got, got moved over to second base as well. I mean, granted, it worked out for him well, both of them, but, I mean, you got to be able to adapt and overcome and, you know, and – in all situations. No doubt. No doubt. That's good. I agree. I agree, man. That's awesome. Awesome stuff. So so here's here's one that uh this is this is supposedly now I don't know who the statistician was at the time, but it, since we're talking about some defensive stuff, your seventeen U summer fall Committed zero errors. Is that is that true? Two years in a row. Two years in a row. Okay. Is that goose egg? Zero errors. Zero errors. Is that? I, I, I was the statistician on that one. Okay. There you go. But I'm not talking about Tyler. Oh man, he, he caught the routine ball. I mean, this guy was a kamikaze. Man. Yeah. He was all over the place. Yeah. I mean, he would make. He made a play in the. Uh, remember that play we were playing. In the final four, uh, and Justin Jackson was on the other team, and you came across the first inning. Derek Dietrich was on that team. He's the guy. He was the guy third when you laid that bunt down to start the game off with, and threw you out. And yeah, I, I'm over there coaching third, like holding up the safe sign, like heck yeah, we're gonna start this game off. And then Dietrich, like oh shit, we're we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, but uh, but now you made that great play coming across the infield behind the pitcher. You know, backhand play and kind of threw it off balance. I'm like, okay, we we, we came to play too. So yeah, yeah. Tyler made some. He made some really really good plays defensively for us throughout that court. The the course of that stretch run of two years, airless. No, I I yeah, I I think so. So ultimately, and and you know. I, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's it's always good to to get back to to the roots of um, you know the dirtbag program. I, I think 
you know, and, and last kind of thing before we, we kind of wrap it up, the 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 progression of you, you, you kind of saw you you were around when the dirtbags started to kind of get uh, you know build build the name. Um, you were in the beginning, not the very you know not the very very beginning stages, but you 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 were a big piece of that to to what the dirtbags are now, uh, kind of a national brand name. Um, did you feel like? When obviously watching it progress, did you when you were playing? Did you ever think, you know, looking back now, did you ever think that the dirt bags and and would be what the dirt bags are, and and, and that pretty much the culture ha- has not changed. The the staples of what the dirt bags are now were this are the same exact as when you were a player. Um, is it does that surprise you? Or do you feel like not at all? Yeah, I I knew from the basically day one when we take it back to the kind of full circle when you know Andy told me to shave my head, uh, Elon. I knew from that day forward if I was on the Dirtbags team, I was setting myself up to play not only college ball but professional ball. I believed in Andy, the whole system, the way everybody went about you know, the day ins and day outs of how we competed, where we played at, and just how much everybody expected from each other and what it meant to be a dirtbag. So, no, I, I 100%, you know, continue seeing the dirtbags grow and keep growing just because of the brains behind the whole operation. He's an amazing mentor. I can't thank him enough. Um, you know, he did so much for my career and... You know, honestly, I, like I said, I can't thank that guy enough for how much he's done for me. Thanks, Andy. Well, you're welcome, big guy. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you were talking to me in the third person there. Obviously. I know. That's how I say he's right there. He's on, he's on the he's, – he's right here with us. No, it's – I it, wanted to bring you back. I thought he left. Yeah, it was awesome, uh, you know, that – and that really was kind of – it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't the very beginning, but – I think Tyler was really kind of the face of the Dirtbags program for those uh, couple of years that he was with the 17U team. It really kind of helped put us on the map. And, you know, just to kind of show respect and, uh, you know, kind of pay it forward, you know, retiring his number was 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 something that we just wanted to do. He started thinking about, you know, when he wasn't going to play anymore, you know, I remember somebody requested number three. And I looked at it and I was like, well... Uh, you know, number three, because I wrote number three in that leadoff spot for two years straight. Yeah. I'm, like, well, I don't, I'm not going to put number three down beside this guy's name. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I said, well, you know what? I said, no, nobody. Nobody's yeah. going to wear that number again. And uh, so we, so right now, yeah, yeah no, nobody's worn it since, since Tyler. So. Yeah, it's, and it's a pain because a lot of people like that number and want to wear it, and they, they oh, ask yeah. for it, and you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, I have to tell, yeah, yeah, that's that's you know, like what number you want? I'm like, can't choose three. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah. <laughs> so. But no, it's, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I, those are those are really good days. Um, I think I think those were those are the teams that really put us on the map. I mean, we, we were we were certainly good, you know, before Tyler came along, but you know, I, I think we really took it up a notch. You know, Tyler kind of let let the 
led led the way for us. Yeah, I agree. I I remember I remember watching those teams and they, and they were, you know, just like you guys said, man, they were fun to watch. They they showed up to the park regardless of who they were playing, and they were always ready to play and always ready to compete. Um, so it's it, fun fun. Fun listening to the stories. Uh, Tyler, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out to come on the show today. Um, it was amazing. Um, love love hearing the, the old the old stories. Um, at some point, we'll, we'll get on here when uh, and, and not have Andy on the show, and then we can get into some good good Andy stories back in the day there. That, that's a separate – that might be a separate uh, – Separate podcast. Yeah, you have to you have to charge for that one. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be it, there's it'd be the explicit content. Uh, yeah, that's podcast. But but we, I appreciate it, Andy. Thanks, thank yeah, you for jumping on on board again today, and um, excited that uh, excited you came on the show. Right, Thanks. Well, yep. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely, man. Good talking to you. Right. See you guys. Yeah. Thanks. See we'll guys. see you. Huge shout out to Tyler Hanover for coming on the show today. The captain of the all-time great dirt bags. Also, shout out to uh, Andy Parton for coming on and talking about uh, Tyler's career. Very informative. Uh, It's neat to hear, you know, how guys, number one, play with a chip on their shoulder, but guys with tools and a skill set and play with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, It's amazing, you know, how far you can go. You can check out all our other podcasts, on the Dirtbags website, on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow us at Dirtbag underscore swag on Twitter, Dirtbag underscore swag underscore on Instagram, thedirtbags.com, and Dirtbags Baseball on Facebook.